Hi, this is Father John Arnold, and welcome back to Oro Valley Catholic. Today, I want to talk about what the heck are we supposed to do with our lives. In our Catholic way of thinking, we call it a vocation. A vocation is something God calls us to. It could be marriage or priesthood or the religious life. But generally, uh, it uh, is something that you discern as a way of life. An occupation is a job that you have. As a priest or a married man or woman or a religious sister or a brother, you can have all sorts of different jobs, but that's not your vocation. Uh, being a lawyer is not a vocation. Um, being called to these deep natural realities of following Christ, uh, it's like walking with God down the road in religious life and priesthood and marriage. That is a very different way of thinking about how you live your life. And so today my guest is Sister Sydney Moss, and Sister Sydney's mom's here is in the, in the parish, comes to Mass, and I think it's pretty well known. Uh, and Sister Sydney visits us for Mass, so I asked her whether or not she would stop and talk to us about why it is she became a religious sister, because not a lot of people uh, choose to think of that as their vocation. And I thought her story, and especially how she spent her time in her in college or high school, college in her twenties and early thirties, was really very instructive to how to think about vocation, um, how you spend your time, and what you do to help you understand better what God is calling you to. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead, and we're just going to talk with Sister Sydney, and uh, I hope you enjoy this special episode of Oral Valley Catholic. Hello, Sister Sydney. Hi, Father. Thanks for having me. Oh, very happy to have you here. Would you tell our listeners, they may have seen you at Mass sometimes because you visit your mom here in, in Oro Valley, but uh, would you tell your uh, listeners, uh, our listeners, your story? Sure. So I actually was born in Oklahoma, uh, but when I was seven, we moved to Arizona. We moved to Tempe. So pretty much I call Arizona home. Um, so in Tempe, was very blessed to be able to go to Catholic grade school, first through eighth grade, went to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And then in high school is when I got very involved with my faith. Uh, we had an amazing life teen program at that time. And just a wonderful youth minister who gave a very comprehensive program for youth ministry, learning scripture, learning apologetics, going on mission trips, um, living the Catholic faith. It was amazing. So all throughout high school is really where I deepened my faith. And I know the seed of my vocation was planted there, even though I never thought about being a sister. There were not any religious in the Phoenix area at that time. Um, now there's a ton of religious, but not when I was growing up. So after college, I, I went to ASU, um, studied psychology and Spanish, and really had a desire to go work in another country, like to volunteer, go on a mission trip and be long-term but it wasn't the right time after college. So I found another volunteer program in the in Washington, D.C., and it was with the Capuchin Franciscans. So I went out there for a year to volunteer. I was more or less a social worker, helping immigrants who had just arrived from Central America, trying to help them find food and work and whatever they needed. Um, but it's in D.C. for the first time that I meet sisters. And so I met this community and they were young and played sports and worked with young people. And I'm like, wow, they're just like me. I said, no, I do not want to be a sister. But I would find any opportunity to spend time with them. Um, I just, there was this real attraction. But there was a, a lot of fear, a lot of reluctance, because I just 
it was a mystery to me and I didn't know what, I, I just, I didn't see myself being a sister. Um, after a few years of that, I stayed in DC for a few years after college. And I decided, you know what, if God wants me to be a sister, maybe I should look into this. Like if, if I'm gonna be happy, why would I not want to do that? So I started visiting different communities, thought I would be Franciscan, always had a devotion to St. Francis of Assisi, so only visited Franciscan communities. But every time I visited somewhere, everything inside of me just said, get me out of here. This is not for me. And so I'd go back um, back home. I'd um, find another job, do something with my life saying, all right, God, I tried. It's not for me. Um, but there was always that attraction, always this tug on my heart um, that just wouldn't leave me alone. So three and a half years later, I decide now is the right time to go on a mission trip. And so I found online a program that our Salesian sisters offer for young adults to go on mission. And I filled out an application and literally in two months time, I was on an airplane going to El Salvador. And I'm like, what am I thinking? The first month I was super excited, like, yes, it's going to be great. And then the second month- a scary month, place. Like, yeah, I was thinking like, what am I doing? I don't know these people. I don't know what, what was I thinking? But I, I committed to going for a year and it was it was amazing. From the moment I arrived, it was definitely where I was supposed to be. So I worked with our sisters there in a, a big school they had. Um, and then also I'd go a few days a week to a boarding school where the girls weren't orphans, but their parents couldn't take care of them. So they lived there with the sisters so they could go to school. So after the year ended, I was not ready to go home because I really, ultimately, I still didn't know my vocation. So I said, all right, I'm going to just stay in El Salvador until God lets me know what to do with my life. And that's what I did. I went back for the second year and about eight months in, I finally had that peace. I'm like, this is what I want. I am happy doing this. And so I finally came back to the States, um, didn't want to be Salesian. I said, nope, the Salesian sisters are too busy and they don't pray enough, not for me. And the sister who was the director of the program kept telling me, oh, you should visit our house of formation in Los Angeles when you come home. So thanks sister, but I've lived with you for two years, not for me. But I came back, visited another Franciscan community, same reaction, get me out of here. And so now I'm just devastated. My God, I thought this was what I was supposed to do. Where am I supposed to go? So I decided to finally visit the Salesian Sisters in Los Angeles. Um, I was living at home after 10 years of not living there. I had no car, no money, no job. So I took a bus from Phoenix to LA for a week. And it was there for the first time ever that I just felt so normal. And I met with a sister the first day who was in charge of the young woman in formation. And she got right to the point. She, she said, so how's your health? Good. Do you have any loans? No. Are you dating anyone? No. Well, what are you waiting for? Like, I don't know. But then the best, the best thing was what she told me. She said, let's do a novena to the Holy Spirit and see what he says. I praise Jesus. I don't have to talk to you about this anymore. So the rest of my week there was just normal. I felt like I could be myself and it just made sense. So I went home, finished the novena and yeah, I said, well, right, what's next? So then I applied and a few months later I entered and here I am. And, you know, it's really interesting because I talk to young people fairly often. I think sometimes as people approach um, their last year of high school, you know, we talk to them about vocation, priesthood, religious life, marriage and all of that. Um, and they feel that somehow they got to launch the day after they graduate from high school. And it's such a mistake. It takes a while to figure it out. I went to the seminary out of high school and said, not for me. 20 years later, I was back. Because what has to, God doesn't change, we do. 
So how important was it to just go and try on different things while you waited for Sydney's self-awareness and awareness of God to catch up with Sydney? Yeah. You know, going through those years, I called it the agony of discernment. It was hard. I'm like, God, I just want to know what you want me to do. Let me know. But when I looked back on it, I recognized I was not ready. There was no way I was ready to accept this call um, when I thought I was. And so everything was gift that those years, those five years after college were some of the best years of my life. And just that growing and self-awareness, the relationships, um, solid Catholic young adult friendships that we formed, um, really like that's the first time you're living. Yeah, college, you're on your own and doing stuff, but it's it's different when you're out of college and working and having to, that balance of work and faith and social life. Um, I think it is fundamental to have that time of maturing and growing deeper in your faith and that self-awareness. Um, I, yeah, I highly recommend, like we, we accept some women after high school, but for the most part, you know, at least go to college for a few years because there's so much growth that happens. Um, yeah, you really get to know yourself on a deeper level and discover definitely your gifts, your talents, but also those things that like, wow, yeah, I'm so self-centered. Um, I definitely need to experience some death to self before entering my vocation. You know, and what I would say is that description you just gave, it applies whether you don't want to be married or go into religious life. It's yes. I've talked to married people and they then uh, people who have been divorced and then remarried, and they almost invariably say the same thing about their first attempt at vocation. Um, you really can't enter into a vocation until you know yourself. And knowing yourself yes. is not the same thing as knowing yourself as a bundle of needs, uh, because everybody's a bundle of needs. It's what really is your deepest desire. Um, for me, it was, I was going to mass in college every day. I didn't know any other kids, young people my age that were doing that. And that continued on even when I was practicing law. And so when I started to listen to that, that was telling me something about myself. Let me, you brought this up, you kind of touched on it and went by it, but I'd like you to reflect a little bit on the role that family and friends played in your discernment to vocation. Yes. So I was blessed to grow up in a Catholic family. We weren't the family that would sit down and read the Bible together or pray besides praying before our meals but the values were instilled. And so just, I mean, definitely going to mass on Sundays, the fact they sent us to Catholic school for eight years, um, but the lived values of our faith and just that the kindness, the helping other people, um, not judging other people, you know, that's those things that our young people, so many of them I think are lacking today because they don't have that loving family at home who is helping them to develop those values. And so those are all so key for any vocation you enter into. Um, and so even though like I, I didn't, I can't say I learned a lot about the teachings of the faith from my family, um, that was definitely learned more from high school and this amazing youth group we had, but it, it was how to live the faith that was definitely learned in my family. Um, and then as far as friends go, they were the ones after college who, really supported me in my discernment. I didn't, I was scared to tell anyone I was discerning religious life. So that I had one good friend, he had just left seminary 
And so he's the one I would talk to who really encouraged me. And then a few other people along the way. And so I was, of course, very surprised when I ended up telling people I'm going to enter the convent and they weren't surprised. <laughs> I'm like, really? You're not surprised? I was surprised. <laughs> but um, community is so important in those years of young adulthood to have those, I mean, your whole life as a child, as a teenager, especially as a teenager. And that's something St. John Bosco would always tell his boys, have good friends, run away from bad influences. And so, yes, that community of young adults I had after college was essential to helping me find my vocation. Yeah, I think people know us better than we think they do. I think when I was discerning, it took me four years, like in my mid thirties to think about doing this because it was just like hard to disconnect. I told one guy I practiced law with, that was it. Until at the very end, I'd already made up my mind. I told another guy who was a Catholic, but other than that, I didn't talk to people about it. I think they chatted about it with other people because <laughs> they had to prepare for what's going to happen after I leave. Um, yeah, one of my roommates would do after college, and when I lived in D.C., one of my roommates, she would always make fun of me and joke about becoming a sister. And I finally asked her, I'm like, Mia, why do you always make fun of me like that? She goes, because you never get more upset about anything else. <laughs> like, uh, um, What was the biggest surprise uh, for you once you, say, professed in religious life? Hmm. Yeah, so how you thought about it before, what the reality is, what's the biggest surprise? Yeah, I'm sure it's the same for marriage also, you know, the ideal life and then the real life. And so you go into it thinking like, oh, well, all these sisters, they love Jesus. They've given their life to Jesus. They're going to, we're all going to get along. We're going to talk about Jesus all the time. No, most table conversations are about the weather, about sports, about not very deep conversations. So that was hard. Yeah. So yeah, two things I think were hard. I was coming from an environment where we, um, you know, I was able to like go to adoration every day. Uh, we spent time in faith sharing at least once a week with our young adults. We'd maybe read an encyclical and discuss it. Uh, and then so entering religious life and our community, we don't have a holy hour every day. We only have adoration a few days a week. And so like that was hard. Um, but yeah, seeing that sisters are normal people. And there's just some personalities you don't get along with. They're not going to be your BFF. And that's okay. Um, because I vowed my life, this is the, I think the best, one of the, the best consolations about our life. Um, I married Jesus, not these sisters. And I know that within at least three years time, I or they will be changing community and I won't have to live with them forever. In marriage, you don't have that option. You are stuck with them. Um, so yeah, community life is always one of the biggest difficulties, but it's also the biggest blessing. Um, community life is the support that we receive, knowing that you have sisters praying for you. We're an international congregation. We're in 97 countries. So friendships I've made with sisters all over the world. And I mean, I don't have to have ever met them in person. We've only met on Zoom meetings and I feel like we know each other. Um, so it's beautiful. The community life is the biggest blessing, but also the biggest challenge. I like to tell young women, the reason God became man is to convince women that they didn't have to marry a man who was God. Um, that, you know, uh, you can only expect so much from a vocation. And the idea yeah. that marriage life or religious life is supposed to be the kingdom of heaven. The answer is no. Um, right. There's a great, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Father Benedict Rochelle. 
But oh, he yeah. said mostly people think that when they're invited into religious life, it's like going up in the upper room with Jesus and the 12. And he says, I assure you that is not the case. It's not the no. case of marriage either. I think sometimes what gets um, in people's way is that their expectations are either too high for themselves or for other people uh, mm -hmm. to enter into vocation. I think the key thing about marriage, religious life, the priesthood, is that you commit to growing into the vocation. Um, you right. have to grow up until uh, the day you die uh, because God's working on you every day. Um, yeah, and it's also conforming to, you know, we'd re be reminded in formation, the Institute has existed long before you and it will exist long after you. The Institute is not here for you. And so this idea of not that we have to conform ourselves to this cookie cutter image of what who a sister should be, but the idea that I am entering into an already existing family with all of its traditions and culture and celebrations, I shouldn't be entering and thinking like, oh, they're not doing this right, or we should be doing this instead. No, I'm choosing to enter this family that already has its 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 beauty and its flaws, and to be able to, for myself, to find my sanctification here. And that's the same with marriage. I mean, you're entering into an already existing family when you marry your spouse, and there's going to be the aunts and uncles you love and the ones you no one wants to sit with at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but that's the path you have chosen for your sanctification. Yeah, you have to have the ability uh, to be in relationship with people. And there's light right. and there's shadow in those relationships. You know, yes. what? one of the things I think in talking to young people in high school, people in their 20s and 30s, and even later, because, you know, I really think older men in, uh, are a really good fit for uh, priesthood because you bring a lot of experience uh, to it. Uh, at least that was my experience, an experience of guys I went to the seminary with that were older guys. But I was kind of thinking, you know, people have this idea that they have to get out, they get a job, they join the fire department, or they're going into the military. You know, but you chose a path where you had all those different experiences where you really weren't making a life commitment to be in El Salvador for the rest of your life. You were taking a little time to figure out Sydney and uh, have some experiences that whatever path you ended up taking uh, as an accountant or uh, married or a religious, whatever it's gonna be, these are gonna help you in that experience. If people are interested in just trying on something different to learn something more, what would you advise them? Uh, to learn more about religious life specifically? Or? Well, specifically, because we don't have summer camps for married life. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the greatest things is this volunteer program I did. So it is not meant for just people who are discerning religious life to go and volunteer with us. But why I chose this volunteer program is because I knew I would be living in community with sisters and I could see what their life was like from the inside. But I very clearly wanted them to know I was a volunteer, not a discerner. However, for those who are discerning, it's what well, I was, I was discerning, but just secretly. So it's a wonderful opportunity because I truly believe in volunteering and doing something that is not for yourself, that we always get so much more. Anyway, that we learn so much about ourselves. When we are confronted with a different reality than our own, realize that there are people who live in such worse situations than we do, um, we're able to see life through a different lens. And so all of our volunteers, so the great thing is in God's humor and wisdom, 
I am now our vocation director and also the director of our lay volunteer program. So um, the reluctant discerner now gets to accompany the discernees and I get to send these young adults on mission with us all over the world. It's quite the gift. Um, so all of these volunteers who go on mission with us always come back with that deeper understanding of self and also their vocation. There's only three of us who have entered with our community in the last 25 years. Most of them go on to get married, have jobs, but who comes back knowing I want to be a teacher? Who comes back knowing I want to do immigration law? Who comes back knowing I'm supposed to be a nurse? They have great clarity. So I always think like if, if people are able to take that time and, and we tell them, I just finished orientation on Monday actually for the new group. And we always tell them, who else do you know that's going to have a chance to live in a convent and they're not a sister? Like it's a very unique experience. Um, so something like that is always great for a young person to do. And they can stay in the U.S., they can go abroad, but you learn so much about yourself and the world. I think that's so important because our American way of doing things is not the only way to do something. Yeah, sister, yeah, if, you'll so for young a, people, if you'll send me a link to that, I'll sure. put that on the podcast so people can do this. But here's something I want to ask you. I think when I talk to young people about going to discernment retreats, either for the priesthood or we we always uh, put out the ones for the various religious order, male and female that are doing this. What's the difference between a discernment retreat and a job fair? Oh, wow. I mean, a discernment retreat, you're going to get to know a community. You're seeing what their life is like, but you're taking time to pray, reflect, discern, encounter Christ. A job fair, you're just, okay, I want to be a teacher. Which school is has the best job for me to get to do that? It's much more centered on, this is my life. This is what I want to do. Who's going to offer me the best job and the best pay? But a discernment retreat, the whole idea of discernment is it's not just what you want to do. You're open and saying, God, what do you want me to do? The job fair, I'm going through that exhibit hall to whatever booth I want to go to. And discernment retreat, I am there and just open to the Holy Spirit who is going to then direct me. I'm not the driver. The job fair, I can go wherever I want. But discernment, I'm not always in charge. And the idea of discernment retreats is the Salesians or the diocesan vocations director, they're not trying to sell you on a job. There's a difference oh, yeah. between a vocation and an occupation. You have a vocation, a priest, religious life, to be husband and wife, mother and father. They can't pay you enough to do those jobs. Those right. are jobs about how it is that you enter in love of God and love of neighbor, and you live these, the, you live these great realities. As a religious sister, as a priest, as a mom and dad, you may have different occupations, teachers, lawyer. Uh, you may be running a school. You have all these different jobs. But vocation is the call to a certain way of life that makes you yes. available to serve children or to serve families. Um, and they all really, in the in when they're effective, it's, they have to be chaste. It has to be love of the other for love of yes. God. And it goes back earlier, you know, you mentioned we both mentioned about how our friends weren't surprised when they saw that we were responding to this call. Um, spiritual direction is so important in the discernment process because there are times where I can't see what how God is working in my life. And so in talking with a spiritual director, they can help you to see things from a totally different perspective um, 
and just really orient you. So absolutely, like someone coming on a discernment retreat, I've met with young women and recommended to them other communities. And not that, you know, some sisters like, well, why? They're coming to visit us. I'm like, yeah, but if they're not going to be a good fit for us, like our mission, our charism, our spirituality, I don't want to lead them down the wrong path. Like, it's very much like, yes, no one's going to try and persuade you. And if anybody does, red flag. Like, if you ever go visit a community the first time and they're ready to give you an application, oh boy, that's scary. I do not accept that application. They're desperate. It takes a little time to kind of grow into an understanding and the sense of peace. So what advice would you give, say, um, moms and dads and grandparents about how they can help their young people um, foster a mentality as to what vocation is, uh, to whatever the vocation God might be calling them to? What's the important things you think they should know? I think that, yeah, the family is so important that they're supportive in the sense that the young person knows they have the options. So it's not just, I have to get married or I have to become a priest or sister. But I think some people, some young people in devout families do grow up with this idea, like I have to be a priest if I'm gonna be holy. And that's not true. I've met young adults who, young women, like I thought I had to be a sister to be holy. But no, you can be a, we need holy marriages. So families that are supportive, but allowing their children to know that both vocations are equally good. One is not better than the other. Um, and for parents, it's, I mean, we can't understand. We don't have children and know what it's like, but I know for my mom, it was very hard. And for the longest time she was always like, oh, I'm losing you, I'm losing you. Um, but now she sees she's gained 11,000 more daughters. So she's become part of this huge family and didn't lose me, but gained even more daughters. Um, so for parents to recognize that even if your child were to get married, there's a good chance that they're going to move to another state and you're not going to see them as much as you would like to. So marriage and religious life and priesthood are very similar. Unless you become a diocesan priest, you're going to always be in that area. But as religious, we move from one state to another, possibly to other countries. And honestly, so, that's why I became a uh, diocesan priest. I discerned with the Jesuits. I discerned with the Carmelites. But the diocesan priest, finally at the end, I just it was obvious because uh, you know I have seven brothers and sisters, and they're a great support to me. And so today is the feast of Saint Francis de Sales, who is really the great saint in the 17th century, who brings this wealth of spirituality and lays it up for lay people and explains to them that they're called to sanctity also. And so, if you had the last bit of advice that you would give to say young people of whatever age that are thinking about what they want to do with their life, what would you tell them? I think it's always the same as what Jesus said and my favorite saint, St. John Paul II, do not be afraid. Because ultimately, if you're choosing what God wants you to do, there is no fear in that. There is such joy, such peace, such love. And we're the ones who start to create all these what ifs and doubts and anxiety, and that's not of the spirit. So whenever we find ourselves filled with all of those anxieties, stop, um, spend that time in prayer and know that there's a great plan for your life. And all you have to do is be open. Like we just need to let go of control and know that God is in control. He has a plan, but that biggest thing, do not be afraid. When you enter religious life, when you enter the seminary, your life doesn't end. 
And especially you have a priesthood is what, eight years before you were ordained, depending on what you had in college, seven or eight years before you were ordained a priest. As sisters, we have four years of initial, three or four years of initial formation before you make first vows. Six years living as a temporary professed before your final vows. That's nine or 10 years you're living the life before you make a final commitment. So don't be afraid to try because I've met too many people who are married, even grandparents sometimes, oh, I always thought about being a sister. Well, <laughs> I mean, and you know, they're, they're happily married, they're fine, but they still always go back to that, what if? So if you're in that place of what if, what if, what if, eventually you just gotta take a step, try it and know that you're not signing your life away the day you enter the convent or the seminary. It's a long discernment process. Your discernment doesn't end the day you enter. The discernment really begins. It's a very different level of discernment. I think what's interesting is the number of people who are sure what their vocation is, and um, but they still can't find someone to share the vocation with. As they said, are you sure that you understand what the problem is? When you decide, you already know what you need to be happy and what God wants you to do. And this is the key, I think, is you got to talk to someone about it. I had spiritual directors, and I did talk to some friends about it. Uh, I talked to a friend I didn't practice law with, Tom Ryan and Tim Record, two guys. And I could talk to them about anything. Uh, and I they kept me honest and kept me on track and encouraged me. Uh, but yeah, I definitely idea. think discernment discernment cannot be done in isolation. It needs community. You can't figure out your life by yourself. I don't know that I tell a girl I was dating I was thinking about being a priest. That's kind of a bug <laughs> tell. <laughs> but uh, to think about what it is that is just you're really looking for in life. You know, the biggest blessing, and I know you were there when your dad died, and you come back and you help your mom because that's important to the Salesian order. For me, it was offering mass uh, at the side of the bed as my mom and dad died with my brothers and sisters around. And the brothers and sisters all said the same thing. And they would say it on this, they'd say it publicly. What a great blessing it is to have a vocation in the family. Mm. Um, and, and they just think that people don't get um, how you fit into this bigger web of connections. And then if you're all thinking about just starting this little project that is going to be my project and I'm going to make it work, wow, that's that's a recipe uh, maybe for uh, a little bit of unhappiness in life. So, sister, uh, this has been great to have you here on Oral Valley Catholic. And I ask that uh, you send us that link. So if young people are looking for an experience that is a short commitment just to get introduced to it, and uh, to religious life with Salesians, decide this is not for me, which is perfectly fine. But if they're still thinking about it 10 years later, maybe you ought to wake up uh, because you're yes. hearing something <laughs> from God. And so I'm yes. going to uh, say uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to Oral Valley Catholic. Pray for vocations, the priesthood, the religious life, and the marriage, but sound vocations where people are following God, not just their instincts. Okay, God bless you all. Thank you.